inspiration, success stories, expert advice, strategies, new ideas, and amazing conversations. Everything you need to become a great speaker. This is Oscar Santolaya, and welcome to Time to Shine. Hello, and thanks for joining today. Have you ever felt the imposter syndrome and what it what it really is? Today's guest will answer these questions and many others. Elisa Haikura is a communication specialist and a coach who wants to make the life of developers and other tech-oriented people so much better or even easier. She is deeply interested in understanding the human interaction. She keeps on learning about it from books, as well as from continuous trial and error. Hello, Elisa. Hello, Oscar. How are you doing? I'm doing really well. How are you? Very good. Happy to have you here and very welcome to this interview. Thank you. So let's get started. And what is imposter syndrome? Well, it's a um, psychological term. It originates back to 1970, I think, around that time. It popped up in uh, in research. And um, it refers to a deep in like inside fear inside that you will be revealed as a fraud a fraud mm. um so that people will somehow start to realize that you have no idea what you're doing and what you're talking about and you're not as high achiever or as intelligent as people think you are and it has no root in reality because it often appears in people who are high achievers mm. so who have like lots, uh, lots of evidence on the contrary, and yet they still feel like they're imposters. So part of the feeling is that you are feeling that you are going to be cocked in the in the next minute, so they yes. will notice that you are not. Exactly, and any day now, any second now, mm-hmm. they're going to realize that oh my god, I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> and this is you. This you describe it as a feeling or as a fear. How do you describe it? It's a fear. It's yes. a fear. Yeah, it is a fear. Okay, and um, have you felt it yourself? Yes, all the time. And I think, mm. um, well, first it was researched most on high-achieving women, so mm. they thought that it's more common within women, but apparently it turns out it's also as common with men as it is with women. But I think anybody who ever has to publicly talk about their work and try to convince others about some things have felt it at some point or another. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And yeah, I heard, I heard about this also imposter syndrome a few years back. I was telling you before this interview, I, I cannot recall, it was in a talk, one one author, one book author mentioned this. I don't recall exactly who was. And yeah, it's for everybody, you know, not only women, uh, not only, as you say, people who are really well qualified for, for the job that they are doing. So it can happen uh, to anybody. And I also felt like uh, I felt this at some point. How the link links also to to what you are doing today? For you are doing, you are working with uh, developers and tech people to improve their communication skills. So you became a coach. How this imposter syndrome came into um, determining or influencing what you are doing today? Well, turns out every single developer that I have ever met suffers from imposter syndrome. 
every single one of them. And it's really interesting. Um, it, every time that I come up with the subject or start talking about the subject, everybody says that they have felt it or they feel it all the time in their work. And I've been wondering why that is. And I suspect it's because um, being a developer, you're always in constant change. The technology is changing, the world is changing, the, the project is changing, the customer is changing, your team is changing. So nothing is really certain and you cannot be really uh, securely in any place. And you, whenever you like learn some technology by heart, then all of a sudden uh, some other technology will emerge. So that's probably some type of root, root cause for the imposter syndrome. Mm. And it's highly interlinked with communication skills, because if you have a feeling that you will be exposed as a fraud, you always have the need to somehow justify or try to sound like an expert, which will then prevent you from being open and human and vulnerable to others if you're in deep fear all the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can extend that uh, in context like uh, software developers. Uh, we work most of the time. Yeah, the techno technology is changing so fast that at the time you, you become a guru at something, well, that's not relevant anymore. <laughs> you have to learn something <laughs> else. Exactly. And it's stressful. It's also exciting and it keeps you fresh and young and energized because you get to learn all the, th all the time something new. But on other days, it's also stressful and makes you feel anxious and nervous and, and tired. So it's a double-edged sword. Mm -hmm. And why did you uh, choose to work with developers in particular? I like them a lot. Aha. Uh -huh. That's uh, that's the easy answer to How it. How you find them? <laughs> I, you, I, you were a developer? Or? No, I I used to work in marketing and communications. And I don't know, It's uh, it sounds really like like pompous if I say that it was a fate of some sort because I always found myself working with developers when I was doing marketing. So I had lots and lots of ICT customers and when I was doing content marketing, so I was always like interviewing developers or other tech-oriented people. And just I just like them so much. They're ter uh, terrific people. Like, I don't know, somehow I find their way of thinking very logical and and somehow, I don't know, nice. So, and then I just realized that they get along with me as well. So mm, yes. it was easy to continue from there. That's so important. Of course, you find this, <laughs> uh, this match, you know, this empathy in both directions. So it works well for you. Yeah. So it was part of uh, the destiny, let's say. Let's say it's destiny, even yeah, though it sounds sure. so, so very, I don't know, out of this world. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Mm. So now let's focus on the imposter syndrome in when you are mm, on stage uh, speaking in public. Yeah. How is this? Can you describe a situation? Well, the thing is, when you are uh, having a severe imposter syndrome, you won't even get on stage, mm -hmm. even if it would be a really good idea for your own career or for the sake of the project or for the sake of the world. So if you are in fear of being exposed as a fraud, why would you ever get on stage where people are looking at you mm -hmm. and then you will be exposed for sure, isn't it? So I think it's preventing from really, really talented people with a lot of knowledge and expertise and skills from getting on stage and, and contributing in a way that would help everything. So 
I think it's um it's when you if you get past the imposter syndrome and get on stage, then you get the stage fright and all other things that you have covered on your podcast very well. But the imposter syndrome is preventing you from starting, which is really bad. Okay, interesting. That's that's uh, so it prevents you from from going to the stage. Yes, because you feel like you have nothing to say, and or even if you do have something to say, it's not perfect enough you're not the best of the best or mm, what if somebody asks you something you don't know the answer to that's probably one of the biggest fears they have and i have when i get on stage yes 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 um and do you have some examples Mm, well, I can use myself as an example because I often, or I mean always before I go on stage, I have the imposter syndrome feeling like, who am I to talk about these things? There are gazillion people out there who know more than me, who have been studying this or researching this or writing books about this, or they're just plain older than I am. <laughs> so why would anybody ever listen to me or What gives me the right to go up on stage and talk about these things as if I knew something about them? But then I realized that, that that's not the point. I'm not on stage because I'm the best of the best or that I, su I, I would have to be best of the best. It's enough that I want to be on stage to, to serve, to give something, mm -hmm. to help. And if I can give just one thought that makes the life of somebody else easier then it's enough of a reason to get up on stage. And that helps. So that's why I go there, even if I know that I am not the best of the best and I am not the most qualified qualified to talk about these things, necessarily. At least that's how I feel before I get on. Yes, that's exactly it. Then when you're on the stage, you are the, you are the queen on stage. <laughs> <laughs> am I, though? <laughs> <laughs> I still, well, I have, some, I have some, seen you once already, so yeah. <laughs> wow, thank you. You perform very well. And have, of course, a lot, a lot to, to tell us. Uh, that's, that's the, that's why you are here in this podcast, because I find a lot, a lot of interesting things that you already have done your research. Have you have a, a work with people? Yeah. Oh, I need, want to hear more today. Um, so you said that the, in, in case of speakers, the imposter syndrome only kicks before. So not during, during the presentation or, or there is some manifestation of that. Yeah, I think that once you're on stage, you don't have time to think about the imposter syndrome <laughs> anymore. <laughs> Then you are like trying to focus on how you get out of the stage alive mm. and how can you remember everything you're supposed to say. But I think the imposter syndrome is worse when, when you think, especially if you apply to speak yourself. So if you're asked to speak, I think that's a little bit different because mm. then, then you think that, okay, they, they think I know something. So maybe I know something, but right. if it's like an open, like you want to, you would like to talk about a topic and you would have to suggest it yourself. Then I think what will prevent you from even suggesting the topic is that you feel like you have no right to say about these things or talk about these things. So once you get past that, then the rest is another thing. But I think it'll prevent you from even like approaching the, the opportunity. Yeah, exactly. And often you are the right person to, to be there. Yeah. Yes. And how do you overcome the, You said, for instance, in your case, you have this feeling, these fears before, but you overcome that and you go. You do often nowadays, you go to speak 
yeah. public often nowadays. Um, how how anybody who is not um, um, as ready as you, uh, who still uh, feels this uh, imports, imposter syndrome strongly, how these persons can overcome this? I don't think you can ever fully overcome it because it's um, it's something that comes up every now and then when you start something new or you get a new position or you decide to change career or something. But uh, one of the most important things to learn is that that you can't get over it and everybody is feeling it. So that reminds you that it is a fear It's a feeling. It's not reality. It's not rooted in reality. Um, then another thing that I would recommend is to change the focus. So when I've talked with developers and I've suggested that they should go up on stage to talk about some things that they know so much about. Mm -hmm. And I know that they're, they're like so splendid. They have, they're so witty and intelligent and I don't know, um, like so splendid people and I try to encourage them to get up on stage and share that share the knowledge share the personality share the stories and they say that I don't know enough or I don't know everything about the topic yeah. that's the the common answer that I get I don't know everything about the topic and I try to say to them and I try to say to you listening that it's not the point to know everything you just need to know more than the people who are listening to you about any topic. So you don't have to know everything about everything, just the more than the people who are listening to you. And then you can serve. And if you try to switch from uh, being the expert and telling everything about everything to how can I contribute? What can I give? What is there that I have that somebody would benefit from? Then I think it lowers the barrier between you and the stage. Yeah, that that's especially the last thing is very eloquent. What you say that uh, finding switching this focus to how can I serve, how can I help others with what I already already know. Mm -hmm. Also, to think about that that somebody sometimes it's a story. So if you tell your personal story and somebody is struggling with the same thing, mm. then it might help them overcome it. And then it has already served the purpose. So when I was thinking, like, it was funny, I was thinking about this podcast and thinking, like, who am I to go there to talk about imposter syndrome? And then I realized that, that that's exactly the reason why I need to go, because I'm <laughs> having an imposter syndrome about talking about imposter syndrome. So how uh -huh. meta is that? And that's the thing. <laughs> like, if you... um If I'm here now to share the story that I feel imposter syndrome all the time, even though I know a lot and I've done a lot and I've come so far, then you can realize that that if you can relate with the story and I can help even one person to overcome it, then I have served my purpose here. Sure. I, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure that by by sharing your story that you already told us, um, Yeah, many people listening to this will go, is going to um, feel, yeah, I can get away with this also. <laughs> that, that, that's great also. The use of personal stories is, um, how to call it, um, struggling stories or, you know. This, exactly. These are really powerful. They are. Mm. And it makes us realize that we're not alone. Exactly. Well, we are never alone. <laughs> we are never. Fabulous. So... 
And what what type of people are more um, victims of um, imposter syndrome? Um, does it uh, countries, cultures? We talk a bit about professions, but does any somehow type of people are more affected or? Mm, well, I said when the research began, they thought that it was a female problem. Mm. It turns out it isn't. Mm -hmm. um, then it's a part of high achieving people, a problem of high achieving people, because yeah. they tend to push themselves to situations sure. where they feel unsure about themselves. Um, to me, it seems to be a tech-oriented people problem. So people <laughs> who are in situations that change a lot and are uncertain. Um, I don't know whether it's cultural. I haven't read about it yet, but I would think that it's probably more likely in countries where children are um, brought up to be quiet and modest and um, like not uh, not uh, show them off, show off mm -hmm. a lot. So, for example, I would think that Finland is prone to imposter syndrome because we are often brought up to be quiet and play nice and and humble humble mm. Mm, but i don't know i would like to know if there's like i think you have a wide uh, global audience so maybe they can tell us on twitter or somewhere whether this is a cultural thing or not okay yes yeah, so you are listening to this and you have something to say please uh, tell us in comment this podcast on the show notes or or tweet directly to <laughs> to elisa yes please do <laughs> that would be so interesting to hear yeah, great idea. So you said that overcoming the imposter syndrome is um so it's not fully not fully possible. You mentioned the um, that everybody feels that and the best thing you can do is change change the focus, right? Yeah, because I've been talking with a lot of people like 50-year-old um really 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 successful guy ceo uh, done lots of marketing been in really high stake situations super successful and yet even now he still feels imposter syndrome every time he sends an email so every time he sends an like high stake email so and that for me was really comforting at the same time even if it was a little bit terrifying to realize that if he cannot shake it off and he's 50. So it's not mm. likely that I'm going to shake it off any day now because I'm 30. So mm. <laughs> it's just, it is what it is. We have it and we have to learn to cope with it. And I think it helps to know that you're not alone with it, that other people have it too. And that it's just a feeling. It's just a fear. And it's not rooted in reality. Yeah, it's important, of course, to, to feel that uh, you are not the only one. What about... Um, you work with some uh, uh, professionals, mostly developers, as you said, and you are a coach there. So you are a person, let's say, supportive, uh, who's going to be there to listen, to you tell to your own struggling story. Is it important to have someone who listen to you and sh you can share this situation? And uh, wh what do you think? Yes, I think so. Uh, because whenever you have somebody who will snap you out of the fear by telling you another story. So a spouse will do, for example, a spouse, a friend, a colleague, a boss, I don't know, a counselor or a coach, even a therapist, depending on mm -hmm. the situation. So 
when you have the the fear that's taking you over and you try to say that I don't know anything and I'm I have no authority to talk about these things they can tell you that that's a lot of and sorry for my French bullshit <laughs> like you know you've done this and this and this and you've studied that and that and you've researched this and you've read that book so come on you know a lot and it helps because sometimes we get so blindsided about our own success and our own stories so for me i think it's most important thing to have somebody that will tell you you're being dishonest to yourself or you're mm. belittling yourself so it would be good to have the initiative to try to find someone to approach to someone like you say you can be your close colleague or spouse yeah so that step is 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 is, a, is beneficial to to find Talk, talk about this with someone. Yeah, and I think it's. Uh, I think we're getting better at talking about these things to say out loud that now I have a fear of being exposed or being seen as a fraud. I don't think that was possible some years ago. Mm -hmm. So now even at work, we can say that guys or girls, now I'm having this really weird feeling of fear. And then people understand what it's about. So we start to be more aware of what's happening inside our heads and our hearts than we were before. And I think it's a really, really good thing. Yeah, I have the same feeling that, that that's true. And going to uh, practical things, what can you do in practice if it's something um, that you can do like a routine, something that you can do that will help you to help you with the imposter syndrome. Is there something like that? Uh, well, I would suggest either meditating or writing or preferably both. So meditating will give you perspective and it'll ease the fear, the feeling of fear. Um, and writing helps you get out of loops. So sometimes you get stuck with your thoughts, which are not true. And when you start writing them down, then all of a sudden you get a more clarity and perspective as well. So I write every morning one page just to clear my head. And it's been working really well. Also 10 minutes of meditating a day. That's not much, but it helps a lot. So those I would suggest doing. So write la like a journal. Like a journal, yes. Just write your thoughts. Yeah. <laughs> And if it feels difficult to begin, begin what the day is like, or what did you have for breakfast? Mm -hmm. And that way you get like the first two sentences there, and then it's easier to continue to what you're thinking and feeling. If you start with thinking and feeling, you sometimes get a like white paper uh, syndrome. <laughs> it's lots of syndromes today. But you know, you are just staring at the page and no idea what you want to write about. So it helps to have some sort of easy access. So maybe exactly what you had for breakfast and then it's fun to read backwards and you see what kind of things you've been eating lately so don't be too like don't make that as, um, another subject of stress <laughs> uh, i met you recently in a sales meetup so in that that audience was a bit more sales oriented that also technical but sales oriented do sales people have also the imposter syndrome I think so, but I think um, because they're often selling the knowledge of somebody else besides themselves, I think that mm. helps. So they don't have to, often salespeople don't have to execute what they're selling. 
So they can promise big things because somebody else has to deliver. But when you are selling your own expertise, then mm. I think yes. it's inevitable that you'll have an imposter syndrome because at the same time, you need to convince the buyer and then you're still, you need to deliver it as well. So I think, I think that's a really, really easy situation to have imposter syndrome. Yeah. Like you, for, for, for example, you're selling your, your, uh, your coaching services. You are the product and you are, you are. You are a salesperson at the same time. Yeah. Yes. So that's more, <laughs> more a, a sales situation with this imposter syndrome. Exactly. So Elisa, could you now share with us what is your favorite quotation? Yes, I will. Um, I had to think about this quite a lot because there's so many, but I then ended up with one that, that links to this topic today. Um, it's from Game of Thrones. So George R. R. Martin's book. And there is a discussion between Bran Stark and his father, Eddard Stark. And Bran asks Eddard, can a man still be brave if he's afraid? That's the only time a man can be brave, his father said. Mm -hmm. So I think it's really important to remember that it's not bravery to do things other, thing, other people fear. It's bravery when you do things you yourself are afraid of. Yeah. Hmm. Good. That's a good one. I eh? haven't heard that. I never watched this Game of Thrones. Oh, it's a great quote. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. It's it's my favorite part of the book. That little piece of discussion between a father and his son. Hmm. Cool. Could you recommend us one book that has been particularly inspiring or influential for you? That's also a very difficult question because there's also so many. Um, but I think that I've been recommending quite a lot of Brené Brown lately, and I think I'm going to stick with it because she's amazing. So anything Brené Brown has ever written, but if you want to like dig really deep in a very short amount of time, I recommend listening to Power of Vulnerability that you can find on Audible. And it's a six hour long, like a lecture series about authenticity and courage and vulnerability and, and all things that are close to my heart. And I think if you're uh, suffering from imposter syndrome, then learning about what's the power, what the power of vulnerability is, then it might have a great impact on you too. So uh, Brené Brown also talks about imposter syndrome. No, she talks about uh, shame. Mm -hmm. And I think often the fear of being a fraud is also like linked to shame somehow to some extent at least mm -hmm. yeah but pretty interesting i still haven't read uh, uh, any of her books but i have watched a few of their TED talks that are extraordinarily good yeah they're really good you can start always with the TED talks yeah. <laughs> shorter <laughs> format exactly <laughs> Finally, could you share with us an exercise, something practical that you would recommend us doing regularly, a routine to shine? Besides writing and meditating, mm, this is going to sound so weird, even more weird than the destiny part. Uh -huh. But I recommend while, uh, after you have washed your teeth every morning and every evening, because you're supposed to do that two times a day, Tendist say <laughs> to look yourself in the mirror and tell yourself that you love you. To actually say out loud that I love you. So the the neighbors have to hear that. No, well, 
if it feels awkward, the neighbors or the spouse behind the door, you can say it quietly out loud, but out loud looking yourself in the mirror. Just say that I love you and I accept you as you are. Um, it's really powerful. It's really weird. And it feels so, so wrong in the in the beginning. You feel like an idiot. But when you continue doing that for some time, it starts to have an effect on you. Because if you don't love you and if you don't accept you for who you are, how is anybody else supposed to do that? And I think when you have self-love, you also suffer from the imposter syndrome a little bit less. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fabulous exercise. Thanks a lot. <laughs> and this has been a great uh, conversation with you. Thanks for sharing your stories and everything about imposter syndrome that we haven't talked almost at all before. Yeah. Um, please let us know how we can find you on the net. What are the best ways for that? Sure. Um, well, Twitter is my favorite format. So please uh, find me from uh, Twitter. So it's at Elisa Lisa, so E L I S A L I I S A. And of course, LinkedIn, Elisa Heikura, so E L I S A H E I K U R A. And then the website for developers and other tech oriented people is developerhood.com. Developerhood.com. Yes. Excellent. Many ways to find you on the net and find more about uh, the great job you are doing for with uh, everybody about imposter syndrome and how to become better speakers, better communicators. And thanks a lot and all the best. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Did you like it? Please subscribe to our podcast in iTunes, Stitcher, or visit us at time to shine podcast.com until next time 